Martin Luther, the professor of biblical studies at the University of Wittenberg, had finally received the invitation with the promise of safe conduct from the emperor. Now Luther had to decide if he would attend. The invitation that Martin Luther received said nothing about the structure of the meeting. Would it be the open debate he wanted since the beginning? Would the Bible or canon law be used to evaluate the positions of the debaters? Luther had no way of knowing. Ultimately, Luther decided he, would be, he wouldn't be called a coward. He loaded up a wagon and began the 300-mile journey to Worms to defend his teachings to the Diet. I'm Mike Yagley. And I'm Evan Gertner, and this is Grace on Tap. Grace on Tap is a podcast dedicated to the discussion on the history and theology of the Lutheran Reformation all over a nice cold beer. Some uh, background for us. The last episode, episode 21, we looked at the political process of this invite being sent to Martin Luther to attend the Diet of Worms. So Frederick the Wise originally requested an invitation for Luther in December of 1520. He decided to decline the invite once it was extended. Uh, the emperor did extend that invite, but after arguments with Aleander, also the emperor rescinded the invite. So we have both people saying, yes, we're going to do it, and then they both uh, kind not. of back away. <laughs> but it didn't up. matter. Frederick the Wise, as he declines the invitation, doesn't completely shut down the process. There's still a lot of conversation that happens. Always open to negotiation. So eventually everything gets worked out. Frederick shows up in Worms, actually physically talks to the emperor. They work it out. They get an invitation for Luther and the and Luther is given safe conduct. Now the emperor is aware of the political reality that Luther is very popular and that there is a very real threat of revolution if the peasants and many of the nobility felt that Luther was not treated fairly. So so Luther gets this invitation. Very respectful invitation. It's a very respectful invitation. Sort of irritates the Pope's legates who are there. Oleander does not like how <laughs> friendly it is. Zounds. So the invitation, though, didn't include anything about the agenda. Um, normally an invitation might mention the rules of debate, who's going to be on the other side. But Luther being called to Worms uh, to simply recant. Now, um, now Luther doesn't know this. Uh, the emperor is expecting a recantation. Luther is, is expecting a debate. And, you know, Luther says, you know, well, Luther understands, though. Luther understands that there's a real risk. He yeah. said, I will reply to the emperor that if I am being invited simply to recant, I will not come. If to recant is all that I, is wanted, I can do that perfectly well right here. But, but if he is inviting me to my death, then I will come. I hope none but the Baptists will st will stain their hands in my blood. Antichrist reigns. The Lord's will be done. So he's expecting... He doesn't get up right away. It takes a few days of deliberation. And what does he expect? I think he expects that maybe it is just going to be um, uh, revoco, uh, recant. Yeah, he seems to have a sort of a sense that that's what's coming. And he sort of has a sense that he's going to his death. Or that that's a real, very real possibility. Long ride, about 300 miles, 500 kilometers. Uh, so since we're traveling in Germany, we'll go with kilometers for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now, so his first stop, Luther hops in the, that wagon 
with a few friends. And he arrives in Erfurt. This is the town where he uh, was at law school. This is the town where he became an Augustinian monk. He lived there for a while. This is where he knows where the different bars are. He knows the people. <laughs> and he is greeted by 40 horsemen that come out to accompany Luther into the city. Now, the, the people are going nuts for this. They, they're, they're, climbing, they're climbing walls. They're it's lining the street. They're, it really is. You know, and, and Luther actually he, he wonders. He says, you know, one openly wonders if this is his Palm Sunday. If this Which is, of course means that on the other side of Palm Sunday is the cross. Yeah. He's expecting that okay, it's gonna be he's this big celebration way. and then I die. So it's uh w- when he's in Erfurt, he, he preaches. He preaches to the crowd. Now I thought in I'm trying to remember if in the invitation it said don't preach on the way. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh but uh, so, so as he preaches along the way, his uh, sermon in Erfurt is actually an attack on the quality of preaching in Germany. He said that out of 3,000 preachers, there are only four that are any good. <laughs> He's not making any friends with the with the local priests or, or monks or anybody. But the people loved it because they know it's true. Yeah. Afterward, yeah. Luther himself kind of characterized this sermon as annoying. Now, you know, Luther goes and he has a few more stops along the way. Um, and, and there's a few, a few interesting developments that happen and on the trip between Wittenberg and Worms. For one thing is he meets up with Justice, uh, Justice Jonas. Now, Justice Jonas is going to become a key player in the Reformation. And at this time, he is a professor of law at the University of Erfurt. And shortly before Luther had arrived in Erfurt, Jonas was offered a professor's position in Wittenberg. So what happens is he decides he's Jonas Justice decides he's going to spend a little bit of time with Luther. They they get to know each other, and Jonas Justice Justice Jonas Justice Jonas. I'm sorry, thank you, Justice Jonas. Uh, pretty much leaves everything and hops on the wagon to go with Luther to Worms. And along the way, he decides I'm taking the position. I'm going to become a professor in Wittenberg. There's another political development that also takes place during the trip. Now, this one's actually way more political, and th- this one comes uh, will will play out even more later on. And the Roman Catholic moderates, primarily led by Erasmus of Rotterdam, are developing a plan to negotiate a settlement. Now, unfortunately for them, their primary advocate in Worms is a friar named Jean Glapion. Now, Glapion is a confessor to the emperor, so he's the one who hears the emperor's confession. So that's really a very intimate relationship with There's the emperor. There's close access to the emperor. So when, when Jean Glapion uh, speaks, people are wondering, is he receiving hidden orders from the emperor? Yeah. And, and so, you know, there's this, once Glapion gets involved, then the, everybody's second-guessing what's actually happening here. Nobody, they don't know what his motives are. Nobody knows, and to this day, nobody really knows. Was what he Glapion. acting for Erasmus and these moderates, or is he trying to be uh, Switzerland and really offering, now using Switzerland in our modern day as a, the place of neutral conversation, <laughs> yeah. and speaking for the emperor? So, he approaches Frederick the Wise. And what he does is he says, listen... He goes, Frederick, there's there's general agreement that the practice of indulgences need to be reformed. And Luther uh, was did a great job on that part. So you know, General agreement, indulgences are bad, they need to be reformed. And he also points out that everybody agrees that the freedom of a Christian was an excellent summary of Christian responsibility. So, But the one thing he's looking for from Luther and Frederick the Wise, primarily from Luther, but he's trying to go through Frederick the Wise here... 
uh, is if there, if Luther would just recant the Babylonian captivity of the church. Now that document, the Babylonian captivity, written in 1520, is Luther's statement of what the sacraments are for and where he discounts um, five, five, five of the, of the sacraments. Now, and this is that, like we said when we discussed that in the show here, uh, that is really where Lutheranism really broke more fundamentally. That was, that was a huge break from the Catholic Church. All the other stuff prior to the Babylonian captivity was criticisms of the Catholic Church, criticisms of this. But when you start talking about sacraments, the sacraments are the, the Catholic Church then and now sees the sacraments as being the primary job of the church. And the Lutheran Church feels this too, right? The, the Lutheran the, Church would describe the sacraments as the primary means by which God delivers his promises into the world. So the Catholic Church has a different definition, but they also they they do agree that this is that the sacraments are absolutely critical. So Frederick is intrigued. He understands that a recantation of the Babylonian captivity would strengthen Luther's position among the moderates. Uh, Frederick also saw that if the strong Lutherans and the moderates would could unite, there was a possibility that the German princes could let, really rally around Luther and offer a united front in their negotiations with the Pope and also probably with the with the with the emperor. Mm-hmm. You know, that all of a sudden, once you have the moderates and the strong Lutherans, both the moderate Lutherans and the strong Lutherans. Or the moderate together, Catholics. Not moderate Catholics. Not, it's not, and the strong you, And the strong Lutherans. Lutherans join together. That's a huge block of people. And now you can negotiate. And that, that was sort of the situation that happened in, you know, France and yeah. Spain. You know, they, they were more independent of the Pope than the Germans were. From 1521 to Luther's death in 1546, this is what the Lutherans are always searching for is as much political agreement in Germany as possible. And if there can be enough political agreement, then the emperor has to listen to us. So this this is one of those moments where Frederick the Wise sees the opportunity to create unity in Germany. Yeah, so he's intrigued, but the fact that it's coming from Glapion, the fact that... Can you trust it? It's, it, he really, it's, he's, uh, he has a sort of niggling at the back of his head saying, eh, I'm not sure. Because if he agrees that Luther could recant Babylonian captivity, then Frederick the Wise is also dividing himself away from Luther. Right. And if Glapian can reveal that there is a division among the Lutherans, then the Holy Roman Emperor could seize that opportunity. And so Frederick the Wise is not going to reveal to Glapian any sort of division among the Lutherans. Also, don't forget, and we talked about this in the last episode, all the all the political maneuvering that Frederick did to get the emperor to take full responsibility for Luther and his safety. Once 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 Frederick put himself in the middle of this negotiation, if he if he decided, okay, I'll go to Luther and I'll try and get him to recant Babylonian captivity and I'll 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 support you, Glapion. All of a sudden, now, now Frederick is no longer a third party. He wants to sort of stay out of this. He He's now responsible for Luther instead of the emperor. Right. Because the emperor said, I will keep Luther safe. But if Glapian's agreement comes into play, now Frederick the Wise and the nobles are agreeing to keep Luther safe. Right. And so... You know, Don't want to do that. So, so but Frederick, uh, Frederick is very, very nervous about this. And doesn't give, it appears he doesn't give Glapian a clear answer. Um, there is the possibility that this is going to happen. Right. But right. there's not uh, some sort of handshake. There's... Well, and also, I think Frederick recognized at this point, Frederick recognized that if he agreed with Glapion, it would be up to Frederick 
to unite the moderate Catholics and the Lutherans together. And so now, you know, he's going to be responsible for holding this, this, this group together. And the knights and the nobles and all of them in Germany in this era are notoriously fractious. They, they're just, they, they are notorious for going off and introducing all sorts of mess. And, and he doesn't want to get in the middle of and all this. And if it falls apart, the, the failure of the unity of the Holy Roman Empire is no longer upon the emperor for failing to do his job. It would be now on the nobles. And on Frederick. on Frederick. Primarily on Frederick. So Frederick... Uh, he doesn't give up, though. He goes to Sinkingen and Hutton. And although they're both supporters of Luther, they were more interested in a violent reconfiguration of power in Germany. They are convinced to support Glapian, and they approached Luther while he was traveling. So Luther gets this note from Sinkingen and Hutton saying, you know, hey, will you recant the Babylonian captivity? And Luther comes back, he says, listen, I am not interested in recanting the Babylonian captivity, and I'm just going to take my chances. Let's take our beer break. Okay. What do we have today, Mike? Today is Barista Cold Brew Coffee Lager from the Wolverine State Brewing Company. Uh, this is, I actually had one of these. Uh, it took gold at the 2015 World Expo of Beer. Mm. And it is a combination between the Wolverine Brewing Company and Ann Arbor's Ruse Roost uh, Coffee featuring uh, a Colombian coffee brew. This is really good beer. It is. Yeah. I, and the Wolverine Brewing Company is, is not just a beer company. They support the local community. I did a triathlon in August that was sponsored by the Wolverine Brewing Company. And at the post-race uh, celebrations, they had a couple kegs there. And they encouraged people to keep drinking from the kegs because they didn't want to take them home heavy. <laughs> how, how efficient of them. <laughs> and we're all athletes that have just, you know, sweated a lot. So yeah, I we're bet all that, lightweights at that moment. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet that one hit you with a ton of bricks. So, you know, they have a little, I checked out their website. And they tell a little bit about how they got started, and they're they're talking about they are the only lager focused microbrewery in Michigan. And lager, we talked in a previous episode, we talked a little bit about the difference between lagers and ales, and it really is lagers are much more difficult to to brew. They have to really control the temperatures. And these guys are experts with lagers, and they do all sorts of different things. Now, typically lagers. Uh, most lagers will be Pilsners and uh, those little light beers. But they make the point here on their website that, you know, really, you can make anything into a lager. You can have a, an, an IPL instead of an India Pale Ale. It's an India Pale Lager. And you can do anything with lagers that you do with regular ales, which is something I had never realized. You know, lagers are, I've always, every time I've had a lager, it's these light beers, like uh, a lighter, I should say, a, a Pilsner type beer. The weakness of the brewer will show up in a lager. Oh yeah. Much Absolutely. faster than it would in an ale. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ales are much more forgiving than than lagers. And the fact that these guys do all lagers is really impressive to me. Uh they have just tons of different beers uh that that they make in in lagers. And and like I said, the nice thing about a lager is it has a real smooth finish and you can taste it in this beer. It's a like I said it's or it's a it's um, the barista uh, coffee, cold brew coffee lager. It's a, it's got a lot of hops to it, but it's got a real nice smooth Smoothness. finish. Yeah, yeah, I like this one. A- any other comments on it? There. Well, um, a soccer team that I was on won our league, and we got a twenty-five dollar gift card to the Wolverine Brewing Company. Did you? Yeah, and so my family went there, and uh, 
my my kids really enjoyed the pulled pork sandwiches. Ah, yeah. and I have one more gift card still to use. Well, so now I'll know a little bit more about their logger story. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Now I'm glad the logger story wasn't too long because now we can refer longer logger. <laughs> it's a bad joke. Cha-cha. Cha-cha. So, anyways, we go back to our arrival in Worms. Luther and his companions have been traveling, stopping at different places, uh, meeting people, speaking, preaching, and when they start to make their arrival towards Worms on April sixteenth and fifteen twenty one, it is two weeks on the road. Now, everybody agrees. The even the the Roman Catholic side agrees. It was quite a spectacle when Luther shows up. Two thousand people crowded into the streets they to have, see him. The Imperial Herald comes out, which is the emperor's. The emperor, do, do, do. yeah, do, comes do, do, do. out. <laughs> He's coming out, and uh, one a court of the, jester is there. Yeah, that was sort of surprising. A court jester, and, and you know, you'd think, well, maybe he's making fun of Luther. No, what he says is the court jester is the one we sought so long has arrived at last. So it's like you know everybody is happy about Luther showing up, even is the court be- jester. And like a court jester, his words can be read two different ways. The one who we've been looking for, Martin Luther, because he's our hope, could be read that way. Or the one we've been looking to finally arrest is finally coming to our Yeah, hands. the one we're going to kill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, the Hungarian court had invited Luther to lunch, and they had locked the door to keep out the horde. Yeah, um, just tons of people just pressing to get into that lunch. And he stays at the Knights of St. John, basically a hospital. It was the best place that was available to accommodate him, along with uh, two Saxon advisors. Luther is from Saxony. Wittenberg and I guess the Imperial, the Imperial Herald stayed there with him. So, you know, just hanging out with the Just Imperial in case Herald. you need your background music anytime you're traveling <laughs> in, in uh Yeah, we didn't have iTunes. You know, your, so. your Herald is there. Yeah, so he's all set. He's ready to go. Uh, and, and so, you know, according to Spallatin, uh, Luther had more visitors than the nobles who were in attendance. So that's really saying something. I mean, these nobles are powerful people. And they're not all friends, though. Uh, John Cocius, who later wrote a hostile biography of Luther, was one of those that stopped to meet him. Uh, there's others that would meet him, the nobles that were there. Uh, but for us, we want to now look uh, the first day, the, the day after he arrived, Luther was asked to appear before the emperor at the bishop's residence, which was where the emperor was staying during the diet. So he was asked to appear at around four o'clock, right when their regular business concluded. Um, This is everyone is ready for it to be done. Have you gone to any conferences that maybe it's a Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday morning conference? Yeah. Attendance is kind of low Wednesday morning. Yeah. Although this is, I think, I think everybody probably stayed. It sounds like everybody stayed around for this. Everybody knew this was a big deal. But it was uh, in a small room, yep. um, and with all the excitement, uh, they didn't want Luther to be seen. They didn't want the big parade as he arrives. And so the imperial marshal escorts Luther through a back way into the bishop's residence. So like, like Evan said, the, uh, the meeting was not an official part of the diet. It's just going to be a quick meeting where Luther comes in, recant. And then you can go away. Now, the reason it's not a, an official part of the diet is because there's not going to be a vote by the princes or the electors. Anybody. It's supposed to be just this moment of say this, move on, let's keep going. So it's a relatively small room, like Evan mentioned earlier. And Luther walks in and he is obviously awed by the power. The pageantry. Well, and just the, you know, you got the emperor there. The you electors. Have, you have the electors. Their advisors. You have archbishops there. You have, you have... Uh, almost the, the the core of imperial power all in one small room. And they want to hear from Luther. Right, right. Now, Luther was addressed by the emperor's spokesman, coincidentally named John Eck. So, now, John Eck at the debate in Leipzig is not this John Eck. This John Eck 
um, is one we're not really familiar with. He doesn't play a key part in the rest of history, but right here, um, he's pretty important. Uh, so John Eck. Uh, now, we're, we're going to call him what, Mike? Von der Ecken. Von so der Ecken. the guy from Eck. The guy from Eck. Von der Ecken. Is that what uh, Von yes. der Ecken means? Okay, yes. so we're going to call him the guy from Eck. So, von der Ecken. So uh, von der Ecken. Now, so, so he has a pile of books on a table, and he has two questions. And the first one is, are all these books yours? Now, as soon as he asked this first question, Jerome Scherf, who was Frederick's legal counsel, shouted out a request to have the names of the book read aloud. Now, this would take a while. Yeah. Now, Luther, Luther, like we mentioned, he was obviously in awe, and Scherf recognized that. And he wants to create some time. He wants. He just give, give a chance to have just, this man breathe. Yeah, just relax. It'll be fine. We're gonna. So, I, you know, read out the names of the books aloud. So. Luther gets a chance to settle down. Uh, von der Ecken, the guy from Eck, reads all the names of the books from a list he had prepared ahead of time. I bet I bet Scherf was sort of disappointed there was a list there. Because yeah. he, he thought he might have to go open each book and read the table of contents <laughs> on the book. He did. But, it, you know, so he's, you know, he's got a list. He's ready for this question. He's going to li- read from the list. Now, von der Ecken then asked his second question. Do you want to recant anything in them? Now, earlier, Glappen had asked Luther to help unite the Lutherans and the moderates in Germany by either saying that Babylonian captivity wasn't written by him or that he was willing to recant it. So this would be that perfect time for the Lutherans to reveal whether they have agreed with Glappian's plan or not. Yeah. And so what what Luther says in a very quiet voice, he goes, the books are all mine and I have written more. He is not agreeing to Glappian's plan. No. No, he's not going to agree to Clampians. Because for Luther, unity for the sake of politics is is not unity at all. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's going to stand by truth, and you know, and so he he steps he steps away from that that idea of unity right here, and says, no, they're all mine. Because unity that's built on truth is what is important, not yeah. a unity that's just for the sake of being able to have some sort of political agreement. Now Luther addresses the second question. The second question. He wrote out his speech as best as he could remember, but, but it mounted it to something like this. Yeah, basically, this is a question concerning the salvation of souls. It would be rash for me to put forth anything without proper consideration. I beseech your divine majesty for time to think, in order to satisfactorily answer without damage to the divine word and danger to my own soul. So now, von der Ecken turns and consults. Uh, maybe with the Holy Roman Emperor, the Charles V. Probably uh, Aleander was probably Aleander is there. And then von der Ecken turns back to Luther and says, fine, the emperor gives you one day, but you don't deserve it. And this is something that the, the von der Ecken says over and over again. You know, the emperor is way too nice to you. You don't deserve any of this. And, Good and, cop, bad cop? Yeah, I think so. Now, after going back to his lodging, Luther wrote out his thoughts. And he says, so long as Christ is merciful, I will not recant one jot or tittle. So Luther is really digging his heels in. Now, so the second day arrives. Luther is supposed to uh, speak to the entire diet. They have moved the location from the bishop's residence uh, to the Episcopal Hall, which was right next to the cathedral. So it's a much, much larger room uh, where the actual diet is taking place. Uh, But the original, the, the, the business, the regular business of the diet is running long. So, so Luther's sitting there waiting to go and come in at four o'clock. He's ready, but he doesn't actually come in until about six. So he comes in at six, he's brought before the diet, and the room is totally packed. That's totally packed. And you have to think of 
October. This is, I'm sorry, this is early spring yep. in, in Germany. So it's getting dark, too. So you have candlelight. It's sort of a dramatic setting. It, it's not sunshiny out. No, no. So uh, the, the, the room's packed. And once again, the table with all the books is brought out. And, you know, Mike, just a detail. It's so packed that they said only the emperor had room to sit down. Everyone else is standing. That's amazing. Yeah, it's that, that, that room is really packed. I bet it was hot. I would think so. <laughs> Vanderacken asks, will you defend these books all together, or do you wish to recant some of what you have said? He is giving him an opening to again deny the Babylonian captivity. That's, that's all they want. They want, a, uh, at this point... Because it speaks about the sacraments, and it speaks of the authority of the church, and it defines uh, what is the purpose of the church. Is it to encourage good works, or is it to deliver the promises of God? Yeah. Now, Luther, in response to this, he's ready. Now he's ready. And you don't have that quiet sort of mumbling, uh, yeah, they're all mine. And I'm, I, no, you, you have... Now he's, he speaks with a clear voice. And he gives his speech first in German, then in Latin. And, and this is in recognition that it is a hearing in German soil for Germans. But he also gives in Latin um, as a sense of uh, the academicness of it, but also so that those who are in attendance who don't speak German uh, would be able to understand it. Yeah, it's sort of like in, in today's day and age, everybody has an understanding of English. Well, back in those days, you know, Latin. Latin. So, so Luther's, uh, we're going to go, it's a long speech, so we're going to just give a quick summary of what he says. There are three kinds of books. So the first is made up of writings that everybody agrees are helpful to Christians. Even Luther's opponents wouldn't want these to be recanted. The second group, comprised of attacks on the excesses and the abuses of the Pope and the Curia, he couldn't recant these. One of the interesting things in this little exchange when Luther is talking, he says... Who can deny the evil lies of the Papists when the universal complaints testify that by the laws of the Pope, the consciences of men are ruined? And the, the emperor, emperor yells out, no! Yeah, and it's, Luther ignores him. You know, I mean, well, even the fact that the Pope's, uh, not the Pope, the emperor speaks is contrary to the way this was supposed to work. Uh, John Eck, uh, the guy from Eck. Von der Ecken. Von der Ecken. He is the one that's supposed to be the public speaker. And he goes back, he'll consult with the emperor, then he goes forward. But you have this interjection of the emperor who yells out no when Luther says some of what I've written have been attacks on the abuses of the papacy. And and the, the, the emperor just can't accept that this, this monk is attacking the pope. And the third group? Third group is uh, personal attacks on people who've defended the papacy. Or papacy. Uh, he admits, Luther admits that he might have been too harsh, but even here he says, I can't recant anything. Since it would only embolden the Pope and his defenders to be more abusive in the future. Now, Luther explains these three categories of books. He continues to very subtly point out that there might be a revolution if the emperor came down on him too hard. For example, he briefly pointed out that his teachings had caused the commoners to become excited. He then said, to see excitement and dissension arise because of the word of God is to me clearly the most joyful aspect in these matters. Just as Christ said, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. So he also said, concern for the word of God must be shown, lest the reign of this most noble youth should become unhappy and inauspicious. And the emperor will destroy himself like the Pharaoh and the king of Babylon. So not really veiled. I mean, that was pretty clear threats against the emperor. Don't stand up against the word of God. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so now the, the entire speech. What's the purpose of it? Well, it's it's really designed to bait Von der Ecken or anybody into a debate on the scriptural validity validity of Luther's writings. So Oliander and and the conservative Catholics that are in strong opposition to Luther want the answer to essentially be, you're not the Pope, so stop talking. Right. And Luther wants to be uh, able to discuss these issues and have them debated on the basis of Holy Scripture. So by taking his big pile of books, recanting each one of them separately, each, each of these three categories separately, what he's doing is he's opening up, okay, you can now you can debate me not just on this whole big pile you can debate me on any one of these three piles and and so you know he's sort of trying to draw them into a debate uh, by by sort of splitting it up into smaller groups and sort of inviting them to talk because it's very easy to oppose someone in the generic yeah. when you start to get into specifics you have to talk to them about the specific things right. he's trying to get them to stop talking in generics and also by 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 making those comments about potential revolt he's giving additional incentive to engage in debate so luther is constantly trying to draw these guys into a debate into a discussion on these on these items but von der ecken wasn't going to be tricked he said the proper categorization of luther's works are that the first ones were bad and the latter ones were worse. <laughs> so uh, so he, he also brings out, he says, hey, all heretics ask to be judged against Scripture uh, because when they're de- de- debated, they claim to be the only ones who have the true understanding of Scripture. And that's why there are sacred councils of the church. That's why the teaching magisterium of the church should be respected. Yeah, and so finally he says, hey, listen, we're all done with these games. Give us your answer. Do you recant your teachings? And Luther answers... Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of the popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. Amen. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. This is a statement of the Reformation. When I was in Germany, I bought a pair of stocks. A pair of socks for my son that says, here I stand, I can do no other. So when he's wearing the socks, when he's wearing the (laughs) socks, here I stand. (laughs) So uh, this here I stand and and like... Although controversially, Mike, we're not going to talk about it in this episode, but there is um, some debate about whether he had that last phrase, here I stand, I can do no other. Yeah, yeah, this is... uh, Because it's not recorded in the official... Uh, minutes of the Diet of Worms. And there were many people taking notes who also missed it. Now, a lot of different discussions on that. Did he just say it quietly? Were they? Did they just miss out on it because it wasn't part of the substantive part? It was like a, a you know, who knows? After he said amen, it could be that there was a lot of cheering. No, and, who, then, and then in the midst of the cheering, they don't hear what he says. Yeah, we'll get into all that in our next episode. Uh, our so, next episode, uh, I'm sorry, our next episode is not going to be about the Diet of Worms. Right. It is going to be a special episode released on October 31st, 2017, the 500th anniversary of the posting of the 95 Theses on the Castle Church doors in Wittenberg. So we'll be picking up this story and what happens to Luther after his big speech there at the Diet of Worms in episode number 24. Um, so I want to say thanks to Josh. I want to say thank you to St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamburg. Uh, also want to recognize our source materials. Once again, we uh, have James Kittleson's Luther the Reformer, Scott Hendricks, Martin Luther, Visionary Reformer. And Roland Baton's Here I Stand, A Life of Martin Luther. And Luther's Works, Volume 32, is the volume that accounts for all the details of the Diet of Worms. Caught a few things, a few details in Wikipedia. Uh, also, if you want to contact us, 
Um, graceontap.podcast at gmail.com so let us know if you want to host a road trip we'd love to come out it's been a while since we had a road trip right and so a road trip is where we would go to a brewery uh, near you and and maybe your men's group or maybe your knitting circle your quilters I don't know Uh, whoever would come out uh, would meet us there we would have kind of a conversation about uh, something from Martin Luther that we would discuss we would place a few uh, questions on the tables and, and have some lively conversation over some good cold beers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so then uh, also you can catch us on the graceontop-podcast.com. That's our website. And on the website you'll find uh, links to the source materials, uh, some pictures of the, um, well, I should not say pictures, um, artwork of the time frames we're talking about. And then uh, also you can catch us on Grace on Tap on, on, uh, on Facebook, Grace on Tap Podcast. Uh, and that's where we post anything that's going on with us. So if we, when we have a new a new episode that's released, we put a, something on the on the Facebook page. We also, if you have questions for us, you feel free. You know, contact us through that Facebook or the email or anyway. We'd love to hear from you. And any comments or reviews you post on iTunes are helpful. It increases the ability for our podcast to show up in the search terms that you put in. Very good. Prost. Prost. Prost.